if we understand that time was created by him, then we can start to understand what time is. Welcome, everybody, to another show of Unrefined. We have some great things in store today. This is Brandon and my co-host, Lindsay. Hey, guys. Really wild perspective today. Ready to get into it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We've been studying and checking out. I've been all morning. I've been talking to a theologian kind of guy about this topic. Our guest today is Ryan Anderson, who is been on our show before he is an author and a father and and i think he's just a renaissance man does all kinds of stuff uh, are you aren't you in the ministry too ryan <laughs> yes do- yeah, yeah. It's several different things you're right i think that's a great <laughs> a great description of it for sure yeah well i mean you're very eclectic I, I think that's what's so cool about you that's why we like to have you on here before we just jump in and, and, and dive in i'm gonna let Ryan, give a little bit of his story for those of you who hadn't heard of him before, and then let him introduce what we were going to talk about today, because it's really an exciting topic. And I've joked with him and, and his wife as well that he's going to have to convince me of it. So it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a total joke. I mean, I'm open to anything, but uh, what we're going to talk about is very, what's the word? Stretching. That's a good word to put it. So anyway, take it away, Ryan. Well, yeah. Well, once again, thanks again for for having me on. I'm super excited to talk about this, what we're going to be discussing today. And I may have mentioned this earlier. It's one of my favorite topics of all time. I mean, if there's a movie that deals with this subject, I want to rent it. I want to see it. Even if it's B, cheesy, low budget, it doesn't matter. I want to see it. So I'm excited to get into this too. But a little bit about me. So um, really, you know, grew up, Grew up my whole life, Christian, got saved at a young age. Um, but of course, like, you know, like a lot of people kind of started to um, be tempted by the dark things of this world and kind of strayed there for a while. And that's really one of the reasons why you had me on to begin with is, is the book I wrote, yes. uh, A Little Ways Off, yep. that dealt with that that descent into that darkness, dabbling in things that you know, shouldn't be messing with. And that testimony there of how God delivered me out of that and kind of set me back on the right path. Um, and so, you know, since then, um, I've written several books, still working on a third. Um, I told you about this last time working on a new book that's basically going to be uh, a pre-earth history story about hmm. what happened before God made Adam and Eve. What was going on? How did it look? You know what was going on. And so I'm excited. I'm kind of, uh, not quite halfway through that, but I'm hoping to finish that soon. Um, so I'm excited to see what God does. God's doing a lot of good things. I, I am a father of four, four boys. Um, oh boy. my oldest is, yeah, <laughs> my oldest is already driving. He's 16, um, has a job. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's wild. All right. Well, wild, wild. If it's okay with, with my partner, Lindsay, I want to pump the brakes just for a second. And let's talk about your your new book you're writing. I, I'm interested. In, I want to get into the yeah. the other stuff. But uh, so so, tell me about the, this. Is it like the gap theory sort of? Is that I mean, is that like a, a, a the kind of category people will put it in that there was 
that the earth was chaos and then was remade. And then, and then there was Adam and Eve. Tell me a little bit about that, Ryan. Yeah, I think the gap theory would be a quick way to say it. However, it's a little different than that. It's probably a conglomeration of several different versions and several different theories behind that. What really kind of sparked my interest or piqued my interest into this was when I heard a teaching about Lucifer in a different way. Because we've all heard that Lucifer rebelled against God. We've heard it. He wanted to be God and he wanted to take over heaven. And I always had a problem with that. That that frustrated me because I'm like, he's there with God. He knows God. He, he knows he was created by God. There's no deception anywhere. Why would he assume he can just go and take over heaven? And so when I heard a kind of a, a it, it's kind of like this. When you dig into the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, the original Greek, Aramaic, right? you can sometimes get a deeper picture of what's truly going on. And maybe sometimes the person or whatever version of the Bible you're reading, they could have messed up and chose mm. a word that wasn't properly or the, the best fit for that scenario or, the, or for that um, discussion, whatever it was in the Bible. Well, you know, it's, what's interesting about that is just this past week I was talking, there's this video that's circulating and this young couple, they have all these Bibles on the table and they're going from Bible to Bible showing how, quote, these scholars left out all these these passages that were so essential to the Bible, and so it's a conspiracy to take out all this stuff in the Bible, when in reality, all it was is a lot of the stuff that's in some of the later manuscripts were actually where scholars wrote in commentary, and, and so they took that out because they got closer to the original manuscripts, and a lot of Christians just eat the conspiracy part of it up that they're oh they're <laughs> they're trying to eat, they're trying to put the blood out of the Bible they're trying to take the the gospel out of the Bible and all that kind of stuff and I like what you just said that if you go back to the original Hebrew it says something different and and I I wonder if a lot of the the versions that we've grown up on King James New King James stuff like that I think they have a lot of what they call uh, scholarly glosses added to them and the newer versions have gotten demonized you know, because they've taken yeah. verses out. And, and I, I think, no, you're, you're exactly right. I think from, from being generous with some of the people, it could be just an honest mistake. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were raised in a specific denomination and their bias, or right. not just denomination, whatever they were raised in, their bias could allow them to choose something different, thinking, oh, I know how this story goes. I know how this verse lays out. Here's what they meant. When in all actuality, it could be some completely different. A good example, just a quick example, that's probably not too controversial, uh, is when Jesus was about to be taken, and um, he was about to be betrayed, and they came and they said, hey, we're looking for Jesus. And he said, I am. But all of the modern translations have it, I am he. However, what he was really saying there, if you go to the original Hebrew, it only says, I am. And then it says in one of the Gospels, it says they instantly all fell back as dead men. What he was establishing there was like, he was like, look, look, I am the great I am. I am God of the universe. You think you're coming to get this guy, Jesus, but I'm God. I'm God of the Old Testament, the New Testament. I'm, I'm God. And I am kind of going back to Moses, talking about who, who, who do I tell him that you are, God? He says, tell him that I am that I am. I am the great I am. Mm. And so that one little thing of adding I am he 
loses the whole power of that verse and the whole message behind what God was trying to show. And that's just one small example. There's a, there's a ton of those you can see all through Scripture. Um, and this one about Lucifer is kind of one that I'm thinking kind of falls in that same vein. One of the things he says is he wanted to be like the Most High. And if you, if you look in the, the versions of that, and if you look at the original Hebrew, um, it's not saying I want to be God. He says, I want to be like God. Well, who's like God? You and I are like God. We're made in the image of God. And so if you, if you go through like Ezekiel and Isaiah and see all of the different versions of what it uh, refers to as Lucifer and what he did, um, and I, know, I know there's some conjecture in there and, and some disagreements on about, about who it's actually talking about truly is this. You know, there's a lot of debate on this topic. Right. However, however, one of the things I think is interesting is uh, he says in one of the translations, he says, basic, or it, it says basically, um, he walked up and down the stones of fire, the stones of fire. He was the anointed cherub of God, and he walked up and down the stones of fire. Um, I heard some teaching about how that was, what that possibly was, was his ability to gain revelations from God. He was anointed cherub to gain revelations from God, and that he saw in, that, in the stones of fire, because later he says he was kicked from the stones of fire. Um, he was kicked out. But it says when he was in the stones of fire, it, it talks about um, if, if they truly are revelations of God, then I believe he had a revelation of what was about to happen. He was about to have a revelation of the man that was about to be made. If you look in Jeremiah and you look at all these verses, it talks about how there was a world here without man. Um, it talks about how the world was not created to be chaos and, and darkness was not supposed to be over the earth. It, it, and if you look at Genesis 1, there's a, or Genesis 1, 2, and it says the earth, uh, was formless and void. If you go to the original Hebrew, a better word would be become. It was translated become more times than not. Um, and so the or became. So the earth became formless and void. But what's interesting is if he got a revelation about the man, and let's say the earth was already here, it was already established, and God used his angels to help create this earth, to get it in place. Um, Lucifer had a role in that. He had a, a plan, a destiny, a good destiny that God had for him, and he chose to disobey that. But the earth is there, and then all of a sudden he finds out, wait a second, it's not for us? We're, there's, a, there's a new being going to be here? And if you think mm. about it before, before man, you have God, angels, animals, plants. You have that, the four kingdoms. But then all of a sudden, what's going to happen? You're going to have God, man, angels, so this new being, this new creation, uh, this man that the angels may not have known about or understood was all of a sudden going to be there. And I think that really is the start of one of the start. I think there was a little bit in the past because it does say that, you know, iniquity was found in him. So he was doing some things wrong. Um, and I, I am going to touch on that in my book. I have some ideas about what that is and what he was doing. Yeah. But, and so if you think... All of a sudden, he's like, wait, there's going to be someone between me and God. There's going to be someone, Adam, who's going to be able to go back and forth from heaven, talk face to face with God, be like the Most High. And think about what, what um, we're able to do as humans. If you go to, if you go to Psalms 8, um, Psalms 8 is written by David, but it, it goes through it. It says um, something very interesting. It says, what is man that you are mindful of him? 
And then it goes down this list of things that man's able to do. You know, he's going to be able to stop the avenger with his words and his praise and strength. And you're going to give him dominion over the fish of the sea, the animals. But it starts out, he says, Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name. When I look at the sun and the moon and everything you made, how wonderful you are. But what is man? Yeah. What, is, what is man? Now, what's interesting in Hebrews, uh, Paul talks about how Hebrews, in Hebrews that Psalm 8 was written or was penned or was alluded to being spoken by a certain angel. In Hebrews, it refers to Psalms 8. And it says, a certain angel decreed this. It doesn't go into more detail than that. But I would, I would suggest that this is Lucifer in the courts of heaven. That's kind of the thought process, is that um, Lucifer is protesting man. He's coming before God and saying, God, look at all this creation. There's the sun, the moon, but what is man? Mm. What is this man? And I think right there kind of sheds a little more clarity, at least in my opinion. Now, I know there's probably going to be a lot of disagreement. and No, this is... This is fascinating, Ryan. Yeah. I've never heard of this before. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, real quick, um, there's a lot of Islamic and I think possibly even rabbinical Jewish and Gnostic traditions of uh, Satan or Iblis or I think one of the Gnostic groups calls him Melek Taus, the peacock angel, refusing to bow before man and being thrown out because of that. Do you think that could tie into to some of this? Oh, oh yeah, easily. I, I, I say that I think he wanted to be man. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if you look, if you go further and you think about creation and once God put man on the earth, what did, what happened? Mm -hmm. There was all of the hybrid races. There were all these things changed. Um, mm -hmm. You see that, um, you know, it, it goes deep into it, but like, you know, what do demons want to do? They want more than anything, they want to possess a human. They want to be mm, in a human. Man. They, they yeah. want a body. And so, um, I believe angels were created differently than, than humans. And I think they're a, a different class of being, but in many ways than we are, but go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, well, what if, what if this, and, I, and I've heard some teaching on this too, and this kind of applies to sort of what you're saying. What if we place the time of the fall of the angels, not before Adam and Eve, but during the garden. What if when he, when God judged Adam, Eve, or no, Satan, Adam, and Eve, what if that was the actual fall of the angels then? Because he, mm -hmm. he rebelled by trying to tempt. Does that make sense? Could um, be, yeah. what, no, what no it does. It, it does. And that could, be, I mean, there's so many different ways you could look at it because it's not a hundred percent clear. It's, it's something, there's a lot of things that are alluded to, but it is, you know, it's, it's not as detailed as I wish it was, you know, well, one of the I wish it was really. One of the passages in Ezekiel or Isaiah, I don't remember which one talks about you were in the, you were in the Eden of God. So it says that he was mm -hmm. in the garden of Eden. So I wonder if when he was in Eden, if he was still like, he was not the Satan yet, but he was still good. And then, and then after man was made, that's when he, he fell mm -hmm. based on, on, on that. I mean, I've always heard he fell before creation. I've heard some people say that or that he fell at a later date or whatever. 
But uh, I just wonder if, um, anyway, that's just a speculation I want to throw out there. And so yeah, that is definitely a possibility. I'll tell you something interesting that I've kind of looked into and started researching within this book um, that I'm writing is that that idea. When did that happen? When did that fall happen? And how did it look? Um, it's interesting to me that he, uh, if Lucifer truly did uh, speak Psalms 8 in, in heaven, and it was truly him before the courts of heaven doing that, the first thing he brought up was the sun and the moon. And I think you think about Jesus, how Jesus was the bright morning star, and, and Lucifer was also known as um, I don't have it right in front of me, but basically he was like the smaller light in a, in a sense. Yeah. You know, it, he was the anointed cherub. And so there's kind of a, a, a picture of that. There's, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned Jewish, Jewish teaching and, and customs and traditions. Mm -hmm. There's a Jewish custom and tradition that, that um, says that there possibly Lucifer's throne that it refers to that I want to send my throne above the stars of God was actually quote unquote on the moon in some way that it had to do with the moon. And it's interesting because if you go to the New Testament and you look at the story that Jesus talked about um, concerning the Good Samaritan, if you look at that story and think of it more in a prophetical way, it could be talking more about what happened with creation than we realize. Because it sounds like they're just saying, hey, look, a certain man was going from Jericho to, or from Jerusalem to Jericho. I need to pull it up to look at it. But basically, Jericho in Hebrew means moon. Um, a certain man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And the the way that I heard it, I don't have it up right now. I don't want to f yeah. fumble looking for it real quick. Well, but yeah. basically, yeah. The, the idea is um, there was a certain man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho, right. and then he fell in among the thieves. In fact, let me let me pull this up. Let me see if... Well, I don't want to. I don't want to give away your whole book. Hey, my unrefined friends! I just want to tell you guys that I am so thankful that you are my life. Some of our best fans uh, have been writing to us, and and I, I just so encouraged about how lives are being transformed and people are getting something out of this podcast. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's why we're doing this is to glorify Jesus and to just look at the world and have a, a more open view of the seen and the unseen and the supernatural in the world. So while we're doing that, we're going to handle all different kinds of topics. But see, what I'd like for you to be involved in or part of is our members only group things that are coming in our members only group that are going to just blow your mind. Not to mention there's going to be episodes in there that you won't be able to hear just on the normal episode channel. So make sure to visit our website at unrefinedpodcast.com and check out our members only community. I just can't stress the fact that, you know, we're after building a community and there's, there's so much out there, you guys, and there's so much coming, I really believe. We need to build these strong communities of Christ followers to, to be able to handle what might be coming in the, in the future days. We're sure that you'd be a good fit, and we cannot wait. I can't wait to see you there. I prayed that God would take it wherever he wanted to. So this is, this is good. Yeah. Cause see, I've always been fascinated about this because I've heard a teacher that we both know, um, 
that he teaches basically that we made Satan. In other words, that we were the ones that caught, we were the ones that caused Satan to fall. And because, because of us believing his lie. And so before he was still an anointed seraphim in the garden. And then I think it's, how do you say that word? It's Nashun, Nehushtan or something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong too. Yeah. That, that word it, and, and that, you know, he actually, I don't know historically how people teach wh- when the fall occurred. I know that there's a lot of teaching through Tim Alvarino that there was a whole nother uh, universe type situation uh, before the earth was remade and they remade with Adam and Eve. And that explains some other beings that are around. And I think also Gary Wayne does that believes that as well. I don't want to butcher these, these men's beliefs or whatever what they believe, but uh, I don't know how I, f- I feel about all that. That's just something that I just toy around with. So I've always wondered, what is the traditional belief that people, when, when do they think Satan falled? Is it the garden or is it some other time? You know, and I, as I've been doing kind of research on this, I've realized that there's so many different viewpoints mm. on this. It's, it's almost unending. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's no, uh, What's the word for it? There is, there's no, uh, like, way that's kind of cr- rose to the top as being the predominant way, even though there's other ways. There, there's so many of them that there's no one predominant viewpoint, I guess. Well, you know, it, it's kind of like one of the things I was thinking about um, concerning this podcast to begin with is, you know, over the last couple of years, really since COVID, people have really woken up to how supernatural the Bible really is. Mm-hmm. I think about how I view stories that I grew up as a kid hearing. All of the classic stories where miracles happen, crazy, amazing things happen. And it just almost like, okay, yeah, that's cool. That's just a, a Bible story. But you don't, you don't leave, you leave it there. You don't go past it. Right. But now I'm thinking, wow, think about how amazing that was. What happened and it's just, it's almost like our eyes are opened to the truth of it and to the power behind it, how yeah. amazing everything is. It's, and there's so many things. I mean, just yeah. look at the, the, the story with the disciples and Jesus. You know, Peter teleported, basically. You have, um, it says when Jesus was in the, the boat with the disciples um, and they were, they were going to cross over to the sea, it says, and immediately they were on shore. Yeah. And so just little things that people miss, but it's amazing how supernatural and amazing the Bible is and how powerful well, it is. Another example that, that used to that blows my mind now is, uh, I don't remember which disciple it was, but the one that was uh, talking with the Ethiopian eunuch, and then all of a sudden he was just transported from the Ethiopian eunuch to, an, to another place. Was it uh, Andrew that was... In the book of Acts, it was talking to the Ethiopian eunuch? Or? I think it was. I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure. But yes, one of them was. And for some reason, I was thinking that was Peter. But maybe it, maybe it is Andrew. Well, and I've heard stories, too. And this is probably going to show my crazy card, but I don't care. I've heard stories, too, of modern day people going into bathrooms and coming out. They couldn't get into a certain country. And then got, they come out of the bathroom and they're in that certain country. Yeah. I, I've heard of miraculous stories like that. So... You know, and if you've I, ever, I've heard that kind of stuff too. If you if you ever read, uh, I recommend this. It's a great book. It's about Brother Yun, and uh, I can't remember his first book, uh, but 
So uh, the Heavenly title, Man, I want to say. The Heavenly Man, that's it, yeah. yeah. Just to read that book, and some of the stuff is so crazy, and this is, I talk to Lindsay about this all the time, some things are so crazy that you can't help but believe them because there's no way somebody could have made it up. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, it's mm-hmm. out of our our wheelhouse of imagination, and it's like it's like that old saying, truth is truly stranger than fiction, and there it is. So, But that leads perfectly into our topic for today which is time travel yep so ryan did a teaching for uh, was the youth group ryan yeah yeah that's exactly and, right yeah and, and and sent it to us and it was captivating i was fascinated by it and uh of different uh of, of the experience of time travel in the bible and i have personally and Lindsay and i've kind of talked about it a little bit but i have a, a huge philosophical problem with time travel however when I watched this video, I started to really become open to it. And I wanted to have Ryan on here to just to state his case and kind of lay it all out biblically, because it's really fascinating, you guys, of the possibility of, of time travel and it actually being a biblical, not necessarily a fringy new age thing, but it being a biblical possibility. So let's let's jump into that. Is that cool? Yeah, it, yeah, no, that that's cool. I'm curious to see what uh, philosophical differences or the what? How did you say it? you had a problem with time travel? Yeah, before just, that, yeah, what? just philosophically, yeah, yeah, um, just dealing with time and dealing with the nature of eternity and time and and different paradoxes and stuff like that. Um, I don't want to get into a lot of boring philosophy with people and stuff. But yeah, I've, <laughs> I've always I've always had a had an issue, and it's it's. Uh, because it gets into the nature, and this is what always drove me crazy about Star Trek, even though I love it, is they create so many time paradoxes that you never know which one is the real timeline. Mm. And Marvel kind of dabbles with that a little bit, but Marvel works it out better than Star Trek does, um, in, oh, my, yeah. in my opinion. So if, you are, if anybody out there, if you are familiar with those two things, but uh, we watched um, uh, one of the newer Star Trek series just called Enterprise, which was highly underrated. It was really a good show. And it dealt a lot with um, time travel. And they had this new, in the future, the Federation had this new like agency that dealt with time travel and, and not breaking the whole time, uh, I forget what the word is for it, the continuum, sort of. That That's, yeah, I've always kind of, I've always desired i've always wanted i mean i mean what boy when they're young doesn't wish to 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 travel back in time and to to go somewhere else i mean i don't Mm -hmm. i don't know a boy that's never i think every every i agree yeah that's just how we're wired i agree it's 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 captivating to me it's a subject that i i find myself thinking about quite a bit Mm -hmm. and and what it would look like to be able to, to to do that but you know there's a handful of of examples in scripture about uh, mastery over time and, and utilizing and changing time in some way. Really? But if, if, yeah, and I'll show you here in just a second, there's, and you probably heard them. Once I bring them up, you'll, you'll remember them more than likely. But um, if, if we realize what time is, we have to understand that God created everything. It says he created the heavens and the earth. I, I believe he literally created everything. When it says in Revelations, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, he created heaven the first time. He existed before heaven. And if you think of like in Hebrews 11, it says, by belief, we understand that the ages were prepared by the word of mm. God so that what is seen was not made by what is visible. 
And so if you look up in, in the actual Hebrew, that word um, age, it actually can be a space of time, an age, um, a cycle of time. And so it alludes to the fact that God even created time. And, and there's multiple scriptures where it says, remember the former things, um, right. the former things from the past, for I am God, there's no one else, I am God, there's no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. So he's, he's right there telling us, it all started with me, and it's going to end, and I'm going to fix everything. And that's in Isaiah. You know, his purpose, purpose is established. Um, if you go to Colossians, it talks about, for by him, all things were created, heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Uh, thrones, dominions, uh, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Right. Um, even in John, it talks about in the beginning, God created, um, in the beginning was the word, all things were made through him. And so um, if we understand that time was created by him, then we can start to understand what time is. And I think kind of like in, in what I was telling the, the youth group that time is that if you look at eternity, it, eternity is never ending no beginning, no end. It always has been. That's very difficult for us to understand and grasp because everything in our life has a beginning and an end. Yeah. Um, we, don't, we don't understand things that just never came to be. There was always a beginning for us. And so it's outside of our realm of understanding. However, if you think of it like this, time is, or uh, eternity is forever. It's always been, it always has been. Right. God basically cut a small piece of eternity and named it time. And he actually can see it now. Since he created it, he sees the beginning, he sees the end, he sees the middle, he knows exactly where everything is and where everything is. And that's why he says, I know the plans I have for you, to give you a future and a hope. He sees the plans, he sees time, and he, I, I believe he can go back and forth in it. I, I think I'll uh, make that case today. Um, well, let me ask you a question there, just, just real quick. What do you think about God having his own time, all right? And then and, and, and before you burn me at the stake as a heretic, let, let me finish this out. What if, what if eternity is, is in itself also temporal? It's just a different type of time. It's not used to, it's not our time of duration, but it's, it, and the reason I say that is for, for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to have a relationship, to have love, which is what God is, in his essence, there would need to be some sort of a give and take, and to have a give and a take of love would have to be some kind of time, right? Am I getting? Am I way off here? Y'all understand what I mean by that? No, yeah, yeah no, that's kind I, of interesting. I, I got you. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I was I was wondering about uh, about that, but yeah, go on into what you were talking about. I was just I, I was just musing out loud, so. Keep going. No, I, you know, I've kind of th thought about it in the in the realm of we are living in a 3D world. Mm -hmm. But if there was a, a being that lived on a 2D, two-dimensional plane, mm. he wouldn't be able to understand three dimensions. To us, it makes perfect sense. But to him or whatever that being was, it wouldn't make sense. I, right. I think it's more like that. Yeah. I think once we're there, you know, we've all heard accounts of people in heaven. And I, I've heard many stories where it seemed like, you know, I've heard people say they felt like they were in there, there for days and then it only was a couple minutes on an operating table or whatever the case may be. I've heard other uh, statements where it was a very short time, but it, it seemed longer um, in the present than it was there. I've heard various accounts of heaven. And you've heard a lot of people say it just felt 
more real and it just did not seem like time was a thing. They just didn't under, they couldn't comprehend how to explain it. Um, but it just, time felt different in heaven. And so I think it's one of those things where we're never going to really understand it until we're there. Mm. I just don't think it's possible to, to do that. But I will say this, if you look at, if you look at second Kings, mm-hmm. um, talking about Hezekiah, um, when he was talking to Isaiah, I think Isaiah had been told to go tell the king that his time was up. Right. And instead of getting mad, he said, hey, wait, no, Lord, please remember my righteousness. And he had, he had him come back and tell him, okay, I'm going to give you 15 more years. I just and so read they just this started this morning. I just read are you this, serious? That's good. Yeah, in Isaiah, though the Isaiah account of it. Anyway, I thought that's, that's oh, there's the, okay. Yeah. Well, well, if you if you look if you look at here, it says this will be the sign. Um, um, Hezekiah asks him. He says, "What will be the sign that God will do this for me?" And um, it says, "Shall the shadow of the clock?" So basically, it's talking about um, a uh, sundial. He says, will the shadow go forward 10 steps or go backward 10 steps? And Hezekiah answered, it is easy for the shadow to go forward 10 steps. No, let the shadow turn backward 10 steps. So Isaiah the prophet called out to the Lord and he brought the shadow of the steps 10 steps backward by which he had gone out uh, on the sundial. And so basically they moved time back. I don't know exactly. I'm not super familiar with sundials. I'm, I don't know if that means ten minutes or or ten. I don't know how that what that means exactly. But it yeah. went backward. What's fascinating <laughs> is his answer was, "Oh, it's easy to go forward in time. Mm. Let's go backward. That that's going to be more impressive to me, and it's going to mean more to me." So in some way, that was showing that time is somewhat malleable, in my opinion, that it can be worked with in some way. Another example. Um, is in, let's see, did I actually put this one on here? I may not have typed this one in, but, but, um, when Joshua took over from Moses and they were in the battle, um, it says that he stopped the sun and the moon and the moon and the sun stood still until the battle was over. Basically time froze right Mm -hmm. there. They stopped time and continue until the battle was won. And that was Joshua. And, and I'll tell you, it's kind of interesting because how Joshua was with, was with Moses before, before, Mo, before uh, Moses you know, died, he was there with him. And so I'm going to tell you, I think, I think the reason why he was able to understand and do and believe that that was even possible was because of the experience that Moses had that I'm about to tell you about. Okay. So, so if, we, if we look at time and we look at all these things, thinking about... Um, the way scripture is um, written, the, once again, like we were talking earlier, the original Hebrew and Greek, it's going to change a lot of the aspects of the story. But, but for instance, Moses, if we talk about Moses, Moses lived about 425 BC. And so he represents the law. Moses represents the law. Mm-hmm. He, he was the one who did the Ten Commandments. You know, he led the children out of Israel or out of um, Egypt into the promised land. And, um, he was going up to the he would go up to the mountain he would go up to mount sinai and speak with god and it said that he was different and spoke to god face to face which was awesome there's not a lot of people in the bible i think that that say that in the old testament Mm-mm. but he would, he would speak to god face to face but then when he was making the Ten commandments god said hey listen the the camp is going crazy 
I'm going to go kill them all. And he's like, no, don't, you know, let's, let's please have mercy on, on the people. What if you kill them? You know, though, everyone will say you couldn't even save them after you brought them out of Egypt. Um, so he listened to Moses, but then Moses went down. He got upset. He threw the stone tablets down. And then later it says, hey, listen, Moses, I'm, you can go do this, but I'm not going with you, least I destroy everyone. And he tells him, he says, no, he's really distressed. I think he's really distressed at this point. And Moses is saying, please, no, what's the point of doing anything if you're not going with us? Please go with us. And then he cries out even more. He says, Lord God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. And so remember, he's on Mount Sinai at this time. And he wants to see the goodness of God. And so in Exodus 24, um, Moses says, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I'm gracious and show mercy to whom I'm merciful. But then he says this odd thing, but you cannot see my face for men shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place to where um, you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then when I take away my hand, you'll see my back, but my face you cannot see. Well, if we just read earlier, it says he was a man that spoke face to face to God. Why would all of a sudden he not be able to see his face? What is he really talking about? And I think this is where getting to the original Hebrew makes a big difference in this. So the word for face to face is panim, and it can mean face. Um, and it's, I think in that sense, it's used in that regard. It's, it's talking about face to face. But then when he says it again, he says, you cannot see my face. A different word is used. Eupene, which still also means face, but it can mean this. It's really interesting. It says it could mean before and behind, toward and front of, forward, formally, before time, before. And so it's a really interesting um, way to think of that. If it's not really meaning his face, what is he talking about? And so if we look at the word back, the word back doesn't necessarily mean his back. It means backwards, but it also could mean the hereafter of time. And this is just going basically to the, to the Strong's Concordance, going in and choosing the, the, uh, the original Hebrew and seeing what it means. So anybody can go do this. You can kind of yeah. look this up and see yeah. this for yourself. Um, but so I, I beg the case that basically what he's saying is like, look, we talk face to face. But the glory you're asking for, I can't show you the glory the way it was originally. Kind of like if you think of the Ark of the Covenant, only certain people at certain times could come in there. And if you even got close, you're going to die. You know, yeah. the glory of God there was different than the glory of Jesus. You know, we're, we're, what did Jesus say in the New Testament? He said, if you put uh, new wine in old wineskins, they'll burst. And I think that's kind of what he's alluding to here. He says, I'm not going to show you the old glory. I'm not going to show you that. And, and that's difference. Man has sinned since then. It is a different glory. I've had to separate myself from man and, um, and, and be separate to a point. And it, it's a different covenant. It's a different time period. And he's saying, look, I can't show you that. But what I can show you is I'm going to show you my future glory. He says, you can't see my, I don't want to show you my past. I'm going to show you the future. And I think that's what he's telling him. He's like, look, I'm going to show you that. And he says, I'm going to pass by. And so he says, go and stand in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to pass by. And, and so we're going to stop right there, and we're going to jump 
558 years into the future um, to talk about Elijah. So we remember that Moses was on Mount Sinai, and it talks about how Elijah, um, you'll hear in a second, he was on Mount Horeb, but it's actually, if you look at several different versions, they're synonymous. Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are interchangeable. They're even interchangeable in Scripture. So they're on the same mountain. But we know Elijah. Elijah was basically super bold. I think this is really interesting. He was he was super bold. He was battling King Ahab and, and Queen Jezebel. He was battling the, the prophets of Baal. He was so bold. He had the, the showdown um, where God rained down fire and honored his sacrifice. And then all of the people realized, okay, Baal is not God. The Lord is the true God. And they worshiped God and they killed all the fake prophets. He's so bold. He's like, you know, making fun of the fake prophets. He's doing all these things, um, mocking their God. And then all of a sudden Jezebel hears about how the sacrifice to God worked. All the prophets were killed and she gets mad. She's like, Hey, I'm going to go kill. We're going to kill Elijah. He's dead. Well, for some reason, it's weird to me. He was super bold and then he got super afraid and he ran off and he starts complaining to God. He's like, I'm the only prophet left. They're going to kill me. What's going on? This is this is crazy, and you know an angel supernaturally feeds him. You see him um, struggling in the wilderness. He gets fed twice, and then and then the Lord tells him to go to Mount Sinai. So he goes to Mount Sinai, and when he goes there, he says he came to a cave and spent the night in it. And then the word of the Lord came to him and said, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" And he said, "Go out and stand on the mountain, Mount Sinai." the same mountain that Moses was there about 500 something years before. And behold, the Lord will pass by. Mm -hmm. Just like he told Moses, the Lord will pass by. And so you see that it goes on, talks about a great wind came and the Lord wasn't in the wind. It has all these different things. There's an earthquake, there's fire, there's all this stuff that happens. Um, And then still small voice. and, And it says, you know, go stand there. And basically God passed by. Wow. Well, what, what I think is the next part of the story that happened. I, I, what I'm thinking is God wants to truly show his glory to both of these. And I think there's a plan and a purpose even more than what they're doing in the present time that God had for them uh, to be kind of a shadow of things to come and, and also a, a, a type and a shadow of what God's going to do in the future. If you think about Moses and Elijah, what they represented, they represented the law and the prophets. And, and Jesus said, and um, he said, I didn't come away. I didn't come to do away with the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And so I, I think in one way, he's about to show this in, in that. So we have Moses crying out to God. We have Elijah who's crying out to God. God is both about to pass by them. And then now if we jump 900 years in the future, we come to uh, where Jesus was telling, uh, it was it Peter, James, and John, was it the three? To come up yeah. on a high mountain. Yeah. Now here's where the story kind of, it's, there's a lot of conjecture on this. Um, there's a lot of debate about what mountain was that high mountain. Some people have said it possibly could be uh, Mount Hermon, Mount yeah. Tabor. Yeah. There's several different versions. There's, there's a, a, a professor of biblical studies at the, the Hebrew University in Jerusalem that has made a case. I think there's an article he wrote in 2012 about how Mount Hermon 
possibly was Mount Sinai. And he has a case that lays out for that, mainly because of the vo- volcanic similarities between the two mountains and, and, and that. But, you know, some of the people say Mount Tabor can't be it because it's a very small mountain, like only 1,000, 1,800 feet, where Mount Hermon is 9,000 feet at elevation. And so Mount Hermon possibly could be better, but no one really knows when you research where ancient Mount Sinai is, no one really knows where that was. It's, it's different. Uh, there's even a lot of uh, Jewish historians that are saying that um, present day uh, Valley of Sinai is not where Mount Sinai was. But yeah. so, so there is a little conjecture on this. So you have to kind of choose what you believe in this, but I truly believe just based on the two um, stories in the Old Testament, that it is Mount Sinai. I think he truly is on Mount Sinai. Um, just in the, the, for whatever reason, the Bible doesn't tell us what mountain. It just says they went to a high mountain. But when they went to the high mountain, and I'll make the case why I believe this really could be it, but when they go to the high mountain, you have, uh, is it Peter, James, and John, or is it just Peter and James? Uh, yeah, yeah, Peter, James, and John. Yeah, yeah it's all three. Okay. Yeah. So what's interesting, you have Peter, James, and John. They go up to the high mountain, and then all of a sudden, before their eyes, Jesus is transfigured before them. It says his face shone like the sun, his clothes became white as light, and then just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter doesn't even know what he's saying. He's like, man, this is great. Let's make some altars. Let's make a tent for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Mm. And Jesus is visiting with Moses and Elijah. And if, if you look at what G, uh, God told Moses, he says, I can't show you my previous glory. I want to show you my glory to come. Mm. I want to show you my glory, what's going to happen. And so Jesus showed him what that was. He showed him the glory. So I think based on that, I really believe that was a time travel history. That, that was basically God going back, grabbing Moses and Elijah and propelling them into the future. And, and to stand before right there on the figure on the, uh, to transfigure right there with Jesus on the mount. Now, the reason why I believe that was that is because you see a complete difference in Moses and Elijah when they return and do what God told them to do next. Obviously, they were instructed in some way, and the Bible doesn't talk about any other instruction other than we just see the actions that are different. One of the first things that happens with Moses when he comes back, he rewrites the Ten Commandments. He goes up there. He's not like, you know, as sorrowful as he was, but also his face is all of a sudden glowing. It says he was glowing that they had to put a veil on his face. And I believe that's because he was just with Jesus on on the mount. And so he was on the mount with Jesus. His face was glowing. And then what did Elijah do? Elijah went, he became bold again. He went, anointed uh, a new king. He, he got a new helper, Elisha. And this is really interesting what happens with Elisha. So, uh, or Elisha and Elijah. When they, when they go and start talking to the prophets, God tells them to go and start talking to the prophets. He tells them before, he's like, there's more than just you. You're not the only one. There's a lot of people that haven't bowed their knee to Jezebel and to Baal. Um, so go and instruct the, the prophets. So he starts going and telling all the prophets. And what he's telling them, he's telling them, I'm about to leave. I'm about to be taking off this earth. 
and I'm going to go alive. And the prophets don't believe him. You can see them starting to, to ridicule him. And they, they say, don't, they tell Elisha, don't you know your master's about to be taken away? And he's like, yeah, I know. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Um, it's not a very pleasant exchange. He's literally telling them, shut up. Shut your mouth. But I know that's going to happen. But the, but the prophets don't believe. So he, he, he got his boldness. He gained um, Elisha. He basically got Elisha. He was going to train Elisha right. to replace him. He goes and he starts instructing the prophets. One of the things we know that God obviously told him was that he was going to be taken, taken away. He was going to leave this earth. He was going to be you know, caught up in the air. And he told the prophets, and the prophets kind of mocked. And you see him telling, you see them telling Elijah, "Don't you know your master is going to be taken from you?" And and he was telling him, he said, "Shut up! No, stop talking about it. Yeah, I know that's going to happen. Shut up." I don't think the prophets originally believed. I don't think they still even believed. You can see afterwards, they may not have believed that. But he was going. He was bold. He was going and talking to everybody about how he was going to be taken. And I think that's what Jesus told him. I I, I think Jesus was telling him that he was going to be taken and be a type and a shadow of the future rapture. What, what does it say in, I think it's Thessalonians, um, first, the, the, the dead in Christ will rise first, then those that remain will be taken alive. And so I believe Elijah is, was, Jesus told him he was going to be a type and a shadow of that, because all of a sudden you see, you, you don't see anything other than the fact that now he's telling people this is about to happen. He, before he was sad, he was um, running. Now he's bold. He's going back. He's gaining, um, doing everything God's telling him to do with boldness. And then one other interesting thing happens. Um, we see that he was with Moses because when they finally get to cross the River Jordan, he takes his mantle, stretches it out. He hits the water and the water parts, something that he had never done before. But all of a sudden, he's able to part the water just like Moses did. So Moses came back, his face was shining. Elijah comes back, he's bold. Um, he's telling people he's going to be taken. He parts the water just like Moses did. And then when Elisha is um, talking to him, Elijah asks him, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I would like a double anointing. And he says, it's a hard thing you've asked, but if you see where I go, if you see what really happens, you will get it. So the whirlwind comes, Elijah is taken off, and then Elisha says something interesting. He says, my father, my father, and then he's taken away with chariots of fire. Now, this is, once again, this is just, this is more conjecture. This is, none of this is 100% doctrine. I hope everyone knows this. This is just yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting, yeah. And, I, and I believe the case can be made. Fascinating. Yeah. It, it is. It, it's super fascinating. So when you think about Moses... One thing that just is always striking, and this is the only person in the Bible that said this, it, it talks about Moses, and it says that um, God buried Moses, and that no one knew his burial, burial place. I think it says it in, let's see, Moses' burial here, Deuteronomy 34, 5 through 6. And it says, Moses died in the land of Moab. Moses, the servant of God, just as God said, God buried him in the valley of in the land of Moab, opposite of Beth Peor. No one knows his burial site to this very day. And if you think about Jude, Jude in the New Testament talks about how there was an argument over the 
that Michael and Satan, I guess they were having an argument about the burial uh, or the body of Moses. They were arguing over that. I don't 100% know what the argument was about, but there was an argument about the body of Moses. So something happened that was different. I kind of kind of take a little side note for a second, just to maybe make that a little clear. In my opinion, what I'm thinking is if you realize what Jesus did, one of the things that says Jesus did when he died on the cross is he went to hell. Um, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Now it says that. It says he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I would plead the, I would kind of make the case that prior to Jesus dying on the cross and redeeming us, that there was more authority that Lucifer had and the angels had uh, pertaining to death, hell, and the grave than they do now, since Jesus has been you know, resurrected and we now can be in him. And so I think those keys, when he took those keys, um, that was, I, I think that that argument was probably something to do with that. Like, wait, this is different. Um, I have authority to do certain things in this earth and you're going above and beyond God. You're, you're taking and burying Moses and no one knows where his body is. And so I think it had something to do with that. In my opinion, I think there was authority that Adam had given foolishly given Lucifer and, and all the, the evil spirits and stuff, the authority that he'd given him, he had authority to do certain things and God did something a little different outside of what he was used to which I think that argument in Jude is what that's alluding to, just in my opinion. But what, what we see here is Moses was buried. Well, if you look at, if you look at that area, the um, land of Moab opposite of Beth Pierre, it's very close to the River Jordan. It's not there, but it's close. It's in the vicinity of where, the, the, um, where Elijah parted the, the river. Mm -hmm. The River Jordan is right there. Right. And so what I think happened is, is just kind of like a, a, a type and a shadow. You have the body of Moses coming out of the grave, and Elijah, Elijah sees it, and he says, my father. And then he sees Elijah going up, and he says, my father. He's seeing two people is the reason why he says, my father, my father. And so when he says that, um, he, he's able to get that double anointing. He's able to get the anointing that Elijah had, or Elisha had, and he's able, or Elijah, I'm sorry, I am, I may be interchanging these two. Elijah's first because it's with a J and then the next is Elisha. But Elisha is able to get the, the anointing that Elijah had. Right. He's also able to get the anointing that Moses that had. Sense. He got yeah. the double mm -hmm. anointing. What's neat about that is you just see how everything changed since then. And it's kind of like, um, I love, I heard someone say this recently. Um, what God is doing is, is with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, it's a unity of the Old New Testament revolving around Jesus. It's the uh, continuity of God's plan throughout history where Jesus fulfilled the role of the promised Messiah. And so it's this whole thing of him um, blending the old and the new into one and showing that it's all God. It's always been, it's been the plan from the beginning. And now here's what's going to happen. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to get my church, and here's how it's going to look. Mm. And that's what I believe it's saying. I, I believe that is pointing to biblical time travel. And I think there was a very specific purpose for him to do that. And that's why you see the, the, the stark differences in both of the characters later on in the story. You see how they were before. You see how they were after. You see the effects of the, the supposed transfiguration if they truly were there with Jesus. But I, I think the case is made pretty good that that's very, very plausible. What do you guys think? Oh man, I'm blown away. I, yeah, I mean, you know what? You know what word keeps coming into my head now. Let Lindsay talk. Convergence. 
it was almost like that was a convergence of three different eons is the Greek or the ages. Like you said, they all converged at that one spot on Mount Sinai. And that, yeah. just, that, that blows me away. What do you think, Lindsay? I mean, you, you make a good argument here, man. It, it's uh, when you put it all together, it, it's hard not to at least consider what you're saying. I mean, it, it, it's a wild argument. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it feels like a stretch, but man, you make a compelling argument here. I'm going to look at these passages very differently from now on. Yeah, I'll I'll probably start seeing since you've you've like like given me this this taste of it i'll probably start seeing it everywhere now see that's what usually happens is i'll say wow <laughs> you know, I, I see that yeah that that can that can apply back to that i mean i was already thinking of some other similarities you know of uh paul talking about you know how the they're, they're veiled with uh, to the law and he talks about moses being veiled and anyway and i i just wonder if it goes even deeper then you, like like it's almost like you've scratched the surface and there's still more deep in there to get out of this. Does that make sense? Oh, I think that's oh, I think that's way more true than we realize. I, it's it's amazing, you know. Um, I keep saying pre-COVID, but I will say what I feel like my understanding of scripture now. I thought prior to COVID, I had a, a good grasp of the things of God, and I feel like now it's like. I'm barely scratching the surface. I think you said it exactly right. I think it's so deep. The word is alive. It's living. Mm. And I think we are just, just now finding out. I think we learn something new every day. It's, it's amazing how deep it is. And it changes. And it, the word doesn't change, but uh, I, I think we're open to the revelations. I think we're open to see the, the revelation behind the deeper revelation that God's wanting to say. Now, I'm not trying to say anything about, you know, you can just twist scripture by any means. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not you're not breaking exegetical rules or anything like that. I mean, you're you're using an an allegorical way of looking at it. It's not necessarily the historical, grammatical, contextual, whatever. But Lindsay and I have discussed this numerous times that the, the apostles didn't always use that either. That's a Western construct that we've put on scripture. So it doesn't mean it's not valid. It, it it just means it's not the only way to read scripture is what I'm trying to say. But the the other thing I, I wanted you to to encourage you with is to is and you might have already done this is to to look at the uh, pseudographical stuff. Uh, look at um, Enoch and Jasher and uh, the the Book of Giants and some of those other things and see you know if there's any. Anything in any of those books that might tie into what you're uh, what you're talking about, or even just the apocrypha, you know, the books in the in the middle, and see if there's anything that that might tie into what you're saying. Just an idea. Oh, I have no, yeah. I, and I, I I have and I do. It's interesting. I those books are fascinating, and you see them mentioned throughout Scripture. The Book right. of Enoch is mentioned. Right. The Book of Jasher is mentioned, and it does um, reference certain. Certain passages, yeah, mm-hmm. some sort of assumption of Moses' book, maybe not the one that's a, that we know of today, but some sort of assumption of Moses' tradition is alluded to in, in, in that Jude passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the the one thing I would say, just kind of on the side of that, is that I still believe the Bible is the true. Oh yeah, Word of yeah, God, yeah, yeah. The, the we, source. We that yeah. that's yeah. We're with and you. so I kind of feel like if if it gets to a place where it kind of 
contradicts scripture, you kind of have to throw it out in my opinion. Yep. Um, if it doesn't contradict and it's something, it doesn't contradict, but it's something that doesn't hurt scripture, then I think it's okay. And I think there are some things in there. You yeah. know, I, I think the biggest concern people have with the book of Enoch is it's just not able to be determined. It's time period in history, like yeah. when it was written. Is it an actual accurate copy? You know, there's a lot of um, issues with that. And so right. I think that's some of the concern there. Yeah. But it's still, I think it's fascinating because it does shed a little light yes. on some of the yes. Uh, yes. earlier Genesis stuff that kind yes. of just give a broader picture of what it looked like during that time frame. Yeah. And that's actually really, the, the book is, that's really why I'm writing the book, yeah. is I want a full big picture I want everyone to see a big picture of what it possibly could have looked like um, up to when we were here and even a little after. Um, and so I'm excited to get that out. I, I'm excited to get that out. I'd love you guys to, yeah. to take a look oh, at man, it. We're excited too. We're going to have you back on probably before then, but when you get, we definitely will when you write that book. I want to, I really want to dive deep into that. But, but yeah, you, you said it the best. I, I think those books shed light. I, I don't think they are the light, but I think they shed light. And, I'm actually, you know, I know y'all know, you know this, but I don't know if my audience does. I was, was, am still, whatever, an Anglican priest. In Anglican church, we, we accept the Apocrypha, but it's not inspired scripture, not like the Catholics or Orthodox or some of those. We see it as, as valuable for reading, just like you would read Josephus or something like that. And that, and, and just because it's not scripture doesn't mean it's not truthful. And that's what I like to get across to a lot of people. There is, there's a lot of books out there that are written about Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War and stuff like that, that they're not inspired by God. They're not the word of God, but that doesn't mean that there's not truth in them. And, and, and those, exactly. so I, I think those books, the Apocrypha and, and et cetera, the pseudographical books actually shed light. I think that was the, the, the best, the, you know, that was a good, an excellent way to say it. It's not the light, it's not the word, but it, it sheds light on the word. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is fascinating, Ryan. Man, wow, you blew my mind. Who was it in Acts that said, you might almost possibly have me convinced? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would love to hear, you know, even even more deep diving that you you go into this and stuff. And and, and this is how I think theories are, are made. I mean, we start with the, the work that you're doing, you, the the digging and all that kind of stuff, and then stuff begins to piece together. And then you know, over time, more evidence comes to it. And, and I think this is how theories are, are made. I don't think this is just you trying to, you know, read into the Bible and come up with a cool Bible study. You know, I, this, is, this is something I think that could be scholarly, in my opinion. Yeah. You're doing scholarly work, Ryan, whether you realize it or not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, wow. Great stuff. And I'm really excited about your new book too coming out I, that that you know and then i don't know if you're going to go into it in your new book but the whole concept of is lucifer really the satan who is the satan and is he ever really named in scripture and i don't know if you're familiar with that argument or if you've heard that type of stuff uh, oh no i i have i truly have yeah um and recently actually within the last six months i've heard uh, a discussion on that topic yeah, and um, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I, 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 correct me, Lindsay, if I'm wrong. Alberino, I think, does a lot of discussion yes. about that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and so and he, you know, he's he's somebody who believes 
the, that the world was around and reformed and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. I mean, it's, it's fascinating stuff. His birthright book is, is, is amazing, uh, you know, to give you a different viewpoint, but it's just a theory. And we have to, you know, keep it in that. Well, this has been fun, guys. Yeah, yeah man. This, this has been great. Enjoyed I, it. Well, that's why I like to have you on, Ron. I mean, it's, we just have a good conversation. It's, it's, it's awesome just to converse with other brothers in Christ and, and get what God's telling them and, and, and then get it out there to everybody else. I mean, we thoroughly want to be a biblical podcast. We deal with cryptids and giants and chimeras. Oh, my. And lions and tigers and bears and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, but for most, we want to be a biblical podcast and we want to stay in that, what I call, in between the two ditches, you know, on the road uh, of biblicalness, if that's even a word, yeah. I don't know. But uh, so, but thank you, Ryan, so much for. Oh, you're welcome. Coming hey, glad to. Hey, so, Ryan, real quick, <laughs> when you were talking about the different time travel movies, I, this is neither here nor there, but and yeah. you like them all, whether they're cheesy or big budget or low budget. I, <laughs> I wrote down Time Cop. I don't know why that one came to my mind. Oh, I remember watching that as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. like it. It's been a year since yeah. I've seen it, but yeah. Me too. Me too. All right, Ryan. Well, let's 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 end the podcast with this. What is your favorite time travel movie? Probably about time. Have you seen that one? No. It, I don't familiar. think I have. Tell me about it a little bit. The name is familiar. So it, it's basically you have a, a father and son, and all of a sudden the the son is able to time travel and he gets freaked out. He goes to his dad and his dad's like, hey, I'm glad this happened. I've been wanting to talk to you about this. This is our family uh, heritage. We do this as a family. And, and it goes into the story about this father and son and their um, ability to time travel and how, how it affects their family, their future, what they can do. They can go back and redo every day if they wanted to. Yeah. Oh, and um, it goes through all the ups and downs and highs and lows. A little more serious movie, but man, it's phenomenal. And I think I'm saying the title right. Yeah, yeah, I just looked it up. It's got some fairly. It's got Rachel McAdams and Margot Robbie and Domhnall Gleeson. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good one. It's fun. Even my my oldest son, it's one of his favorites too. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking, what's what's the one with? uh, Is it Leonardo DiCaprio? And it's about time. Is it is it DiCaprio? It's a real. It, it deals with alternate timelines and stuff. Is it DiCaprio or is which it... one is that? Which one is that? I know which oh, one you're the... talking about. It's um, Star with an Odd. Yeah, in- Inception, maybe? No. Well, Inception is one, but I think that deals more with dreams. But yeah. it is. But yeah, I'm trying to think if there's another one in there. What's what's one of y'all? Do y'all do y'all have a one that's a favorite to y'all? Well, I like the whole. Uh, uh, it's the one with Denzel Washington, where he keeps. Um, uh, I th- I think I, I, it might not be time travel as much as he just has pre precog type stuff, you know. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I, that's a good. That's a good one too. I liked Looper. The, People disagree with me on that one, but I liked it. Looper's good. I, I enjoyed Looper for what it was. I, I really did. Well, and, and the. Uh, the one with Tom Cruise was good too. The that's more recent, but the sci-fi version where they are in that war and yeah. the day keeps resetting. Yep, yep, yeah. If I can't, it has like two names. The the movie has two names. I tell you, I'll tell you another one. But this one, I, I'm gonna admit my my threshold for watching TV. It has Ryan Reynolds in it, and it has, uh, but it's very vulgar. 
but but it was really cute, funny. That that's what I hate about why they do this with modern movies is is leave the vulgarity out, you know, and, and just yeah, leave it. Yeah, I agree. But he, he Ryan Reynolds, uh, uh, his his he went back to his little kid version. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I've seen I, that. I can't remember what it is. It's such a. Funny I watched. Movie. I watched it at Brandon's house, but I can't. Yeah, remember what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't remember it either. So, if you're in the audience out there and you listen to this podcast, tell us what movie that is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, thank you, Ryan. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks so and, much, uh, man. You're welcome. This was so fun. Thanks for listening and supporting us, and remember, stay naturally supernatural.